Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. September 1991, what happens? September 1991 is when Nevermind comes out by Nirvana. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, uh, broadcasting from the campus, Southeastern Louisiana University. Uh, you know my name. I'm Joe Burns. Uh, to my left, you are? Monique Gregoire. Well, you got a seat this week. I do. Yeah, we kicked you out last week to bring in Dan and Bill in the special guest seat one more time for the fourth effort on punk you are. I'm Ralph Wood. Okay, Ralph, this is the one where uh, I, I know I said I was interested in the last three, and was, but this is the one where we talk about punk after those, again, who know a cursory knowledge of punk, the proto-punk is over. Yes. The uh, the East Coast, West Coast that we talked about in the second show is over. The the, the punk that most people know, the, the, the Mohawks, the shirts held together with safety pins, has come to an end. And now you need to take punk from its, I, I don't know, I, death isn't the right word, or it's it's falling out of favor all the way through Nirvana. Right, that's what we're going to do. So we're, we're right. really going to focus on, you know, we're going to cover a lot of ground in this show, about 10 years, and we're really going to focus on kind of the post-punk, in indie rock, college radio days. Okay. Um, so what happened to punk? Why did it fall out of favor? Just the ebb and flow of music, or did something happen? Well, I think the biggest thing is, at least with the the American bands, you know, the Ramones bounced around some labels, but they stayed on major labels. But what happened is that, the UK scene becomes violent. Um, it's it's poor choice in language, poor taste, and those sorts of things. And so the record labels move away from that and go towards a new wave. And so what you had if you have bands like Flock of Seagulls that everybody thought was punk, or the Skinny Neckties, all of this um, safe, acceptable faux punk crap that comes out. Well, Blondie, um, Blondie gets glammed up, yeah? Well, I mean, Blondie changes a little bit, you yeah. know, but Blondie was Blondie was always the band that it was. Right. They were always going to be a pop band, you know, if you listen mm-hmm. to their first couple albums. Um, but a lot of the other bands, Television Breaks Up, you know, Johnny Thunders, The Heartbreakers, New York Dolls, all of that ends, or they don't have record labels, or they they move to indie labels. But really, the, the early 80s on through the 90s is really the rise of the independent record label um, scenes across the United States, and punk rock goes underground. And that's okay. what we're going to focus on today. All right, take us on the trip. Where are we going? All right, so the first stop, we're going to stop in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're going to play Bad Brains, a song yeah. by them. They're a, uh, they were an all-black band um, that mixed both reggae and hardcore. Uh, bands we're not going to talk about that came out of the New York, uh, out of the, the D.C. scene. We're not going to play anything by Fugazi, Teen Idols, Minor Threat, but all played minor major roles in, in this indie rock. Okay, so this is Bad Brains, and we are specifically not going to say the name right. of the uh, of the song. <laughs> if you're interested, the first two words are "pay to," and uh, I'll be bleeping it the whole way through. So there we go. Sounds like this on Rockstar. <laughs> 
coming out of Bad Brains, representing Washington, D.C., as we talk about punk post, what people would suggest was the heyday of punk. Where are we going next, Ralph? We're going to hit a couple Minneapolis bands. And so the first band up is one of my... Minneapolis? Minneapolis, man. Minneapolis had it going. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is at the same time that Prince is releasing 1999 uh, Controversy, there's a whole group of punk bands that are coming up. And if, I mean, even the Prince albums... didn't fit the mold back in the early 80s. I mean, everybody looks back and they love those albums now, sort of. But uh, they didn't fit the mold even for what was going on in R&B and that sort of thing. So yeah. you'd, you'd never... Minneapolis, of all the places to touch on a map, you yeah. wouldn't think. All right, what's going on in Minneapolis? So the first one, the first band we're going to play is, is Husker Du. We're going to play Celebrated Summer, which is probably you know one of my fav- favorite songs of all time. Um, band includes Bob Mould, Grant Hart, and Greg Norton. Uh, Bob Mould is still releasing albums, just released a brand new album that is just beautiful, hard, hard hidden. Um, but this is the band that would meld pop sounds, but just distort them and rev them up. You know? So in some ways, it's kind of a follow-up to what the Ramones did. Um, but Celebrated Summer is just a fantastic song. Was Husker Du, I mean, was that somebody that was around during the, the heyday of punk? Or they, I mean, literally followed? I they mean, followed. All these bands followed. Yeah, they're right behind it. You know, Husker Du, their first album is really more of a hardcore album, and they become more melodic as, as things go on. They were one of the first indie bands from the 80s that jumps to a major label. And they have some some success, and then they break up. Um, but just, just a fantastic band. And, and it's... You know, here again, if you're happy that Nirvana is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you should be equally agitated that Husker Du hasn't made it in. Right. Because without Husker Du, there is no Nirvana. Right. And we we had this conversation. I put this up on Facebook. You know, if 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 variables changed a little bit, this band would not have made it, and this band would. And you made the statement. Husker Du could have been Nirvana had just a few little variables changed. They were off by about five or six years. Yeah, you know, and Bob Will will have later success with the band Sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where he starts to get some radio play. Right. It's celebrated summer here on Rock School. Post-punk, if you will, here on Rock School as we move closer and closer to where Nirvana came from. And again, Nirvana only because they were sort of the, the iconic movement of grunge, or at least, you know, as, uh, as most people would say, grunge, Nirvana's name is sort of attached to it. Where are we now? So we're going to talk about The Replacements, which is probably my all-time favorite band. Paul Westerberg, main song, songwriter, rhythm, rhythm guitar player. I mean, this band was was half punk, punk rock, half Rolling Stones. Um, should have been huge, but they were kind of a self-destructive band that would go out of their way to kind of sabotage themselves. 
So the song we're going to play is Left of the Dial, which is from their album, Tim, um, which is, is, is produced by Tommy Ramone, mm-hmm. produces this album for them. And it was their first album when they jumped to Warner Brothers around 85. So Husker Du replacements are the first group of that indie bands that, that jumped to a major label. Um, is this also Minneapolis? It's another Minneapolis yeah. band that was on the Twin Tone label. Husker Du was on the L.A. label called SST, which is founded by Greg Ginn and Black Flag. Um, the replacements are back out on the road with the reform band. Uh, Tommy Stinson's still in the band. Paul Westerberg, and it's another guitar player and drummer. Um, but they're out there. They're playing major festivals. And if you're a Mats fan, um, you never thought this day would happen. Yeah. Have they got it together? I mean, are they making the are they making the gigs? Are they playing the gigs? Yeah. You know, the, I mean, the the thing about the replacements is that they could either be incredibly great yeah beyond belief or they could be a sloppy mess it just depended on which band showed up but even the sloppy mess replacements you know were a scruffy band that you still loved to see i mean the two or three times i saw them they were a fantastic band yeah that's and that's too bad that they want to sabotage themselves because i mean they could have been that much more well there's a um i'm trying to think of the song maybe it's uh it's i'll be you um off of Don't Tell a Soul, but Tom Petty lifts lifts the line, A Rebel Without a Clue, from a Paul Westerberg song, because replacements were opening for Tom Tom Petty on the Full Moon Fever album. Yeah. I guess you need stories like this. Not everybody can be a, a fantastic success, or what would you look to to say, this is how you do it? You know, they're making enough money to live a comfortable life. I mean, who's, who are we to say that that's not successful? I guess, True. yeah. I agree with that. Replacements on Rock School. Coming out of the replacements, and uh, once again, one good thing about playing punk songs, the first one we played was only a minute and a half, so we have time to play more music uh, before the break. One more to play. One more to play. play? We're going to jump up to Boston and play another SST band. We're going to play Dinosaur Jr. Um, Okay. And we're going to play the song Freak Freak Scene off of their second album, uh, Bug. Okay. And uh, another just killer indie college rock song. Blister and guitar solo by Jay Messick. It's just it just kills. This is one of my all time favorite guitar solos. Okay, college rock now is is this what is this where punk is going? You say it's gone underground. You say it's and it, it kind of had to go underground because it's it's no longer in the mainstream. Am I am I following right, that right. correctly? I mean, yeah, they, there's a there's a movement like the major labels stay away from the punk rock bands. And the indie labels start to pick them up. Okay. SST, Twin Tone, Touch and Go. There's a whole bunch of them. And um, but there is a network of colleges, college radio, college. college I mean, right. college radio is really what pushes the indie rock scene, the punk rock scene. What turns into the alternative nation that Perry Farrell uses that term. I mean, without college radio, right? Because um, it was an outlet that you could play things that didn't have to have immediate commercial appeal. And if there's oh, a yeah. city that has enough college outlets, it would be Boston. Well, yeah, Boston. Oh, yeah. sure. And this is one of them. So, Dinosaur Jr., it's freak scene going into the break here on Rock School. Seen enough to I you Go 
but I've seen too much to try you. It's always weird, Miss Why you Did you much too much to fry you? The weirdness flows between her, and anyone can tell to see her. Okay, coming into the first break here, uh, we can't play a song out of this, but I'm looking over the list of songs that you've brought. They're all American. All right? American bands, yep. Smiths, Cure, nope. Joy Division. Yeah, we're not playing any any Smiths or Cure or Joy Division. You know, Joy Division, fantastic band, um, but we're not going to play any of that. We're not going to play any Bauhaus. You know, we're trying to, what I was trying to do with this show was kind of lay the foundation for where Nirvana came from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not playing the cure i enjoy a lot of the cures particularly the the early stuff i don't know that we're doing anybody a disservice by not playing any smiths unless we could find some instrumental tracks because i can't stand morrissey's <laughs> warbling yeah. um uh, but two, there were a lot of stick you two in there a little yeah, bit yeah i mean you you two really up until the joshua tree is still kind of an indie although they were they were on island which is kind of a major label right um but they were still pretty edgy, you know. They broke with uh, the Live at Red Rocks album, and U2 kind of broke that, or um, or MTV kind of broke that band. Right. Um, but their first couple U2 albums are really are really pretty good. Okay, so when we get back out of this break, uh, we have done Boston, we have done Minneapolis. So this is not only is this you know not an East Coast West Coast thing. This is something that's happening. I'm getting the impression all over the U.S. where there are pockets of people that want this and blatantly we're going to end up in seattle where else is this happening around the u.s every major city had an underground indie scene i mean new orleans had one and they still have one Mm -hmm. um somewhere in hammond are three or four kids learning their instruments beating out songs you know and until somebody swoops in and says you have to work within this set of parameters they're a punk rock band you know uh so there was always indie scenes. Right, um, they are just able to to get maybe on an indie label. Um, starts to be a network of, of places where bands can tour and play outside of the major clubs, playing in Elks and Moose halls and people's basements and those sorts of things. Um, that really creates this underground scene. Is it? Can it be done anymore? Will somebody? Will a, a label leave a band alone enough? That they can recreate something of you know Husker Du's or the replacements quality. Sure, but not a major label. Oh, it has to be a small little. Yeah, label. it's a small label that lets a band. You have to be willing to go out on the road and tour. Right. But you can get your music out, and really, it's easier now with the internet that any band can cut a demo and upload its MP3s. I mean, the difficult thing for the listener is there's just a lot more to sort through. Um, but there are still bands making indie or underground music um you just have to go look for them and right. not be satisfied with the crap that's on octane or uh, lithium channel or something like that can i say pandora you could say pandora i think i will say pandora <laughs> we're gonna take a break we'll be back in a minute back into music here on rock school
Okay, coming out of the break, going right back into music. Where are we? What are we playing? Another SST band from San Pedro, California. We're going to play the Minutemen. Okay, I, I have to. We're going to get back to the Minutemen. You 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 keep saying SST. Now this comes out of Black Flag, or at least a person out right, of Black right. Flag. The guitar player for for Black Flag, Greg Greg Yen, creates his own label basically as a way for Black Flag to be able to put out albums and singles, and then he starts to sign. Uh, a very diverse group of artists to be on this indie label. And they are, I mean, of all indie labels, SST is the one that puts out just about every band um, that was part of the indie scene. I mean, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, which will be grunge bands, uh, all came out on SST see, way, way I'm, before the scene. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, the whole world is, you know, sub-pop, 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 two-tone. This SST is all I'm hearing I mean, the, the big bands, Dinosaur Jr., Black Flag, Husker Du, um, the Minutemen, the Meat Puppets, um, and that's, that's just short list. Yeah. Soundgarden was on SST. Screaming Trees was on SST. Um, how Nirvana never ended up putting an album out on SST is beyond me. They probably should have. This guy has to be seen as sort of the godfather of this secondary movement. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he it's, brought it it's, to the people. it's Greg Ginn makes the, although it was hard to get distribution for a lot of their albums. And, you know, a lot of the bands, Sonic Youth was on SST, have sued Greg Ginn because there's some question about where the royalties went. Oh, well. So mm. out, outside of the politics of music, um, SST was a, was a way for a number of bands to get their music out and to be heard. Okay. Back to the Minutemen. The Minutemen, right. So if uh, if you think that the Red Hot Chili Peppers created a funky sound in bass, uh, or Primus was the first ones to do it, you are behind the curve. Okay. Uh, Mike Mike Watt of the Minutemen laid down some of the funkiest, weirdest bass bass lines you'll ever hear. D. D. Boone, who wrote a bunch of songs, uh, interesting guitar player, and George Hurley was like a surfer dude that played some very interesting drums. The Minutemen kept all of their songs under two minutes uh, until the last album, um, and they are a stream of consciousness, um, dissonant, jazzy, funky, punk. It's just a weird conglomerate of things that come together for this band. And what are we playing? We're going to play Theater is the Life of You from from Double Nickels on the Dime, their double album. That does sound stream of consciousness. Sounds like this on Rock School. Minutemen, D. Boone and the Minutemen, a minute and 30 seconds on that song. Uh, we move on to a band that you said off air, without these guys, there would be no Nirvana, and that's the point of this show. You're going to get us to Nirvana. So who are we talking about? I'm going to talk about the Pixies. Okay. Um, we're going to play Bone Machine off of their Surfer Rosa album. The only reason I say that, you know, it's not like Nirvana came and copped everything that the Pixies did, but this notion of loud, soft with a bass line that kind of propels the verse and then the chorus kick kicks up, that's something the Pixies did. And Kurt Cobain even said that. You know, right. it's like we got part of the what we did for Smells Smells Like Teen Spirit from the Pixies. Now the Pixies, mid eighties, the Pixies come along, another Boston band. They're actually on the four A D label. Um, 
and they did this loud, soft thing. Uh, and they would have some radio hits with like Monkey's Gone to Heaven that came off of Doolittle, right. which would get some, some regular radio play. Uh, now, this all predates Nirvana breaking in this sure. grunge thing. Oh, we played um, it here. We, yeah, so, but the Pixies, you know, the, the Pixies are an important band in how people start to latch on to indie music and their ears start to become accustomed to what Nirvana is going to take and bust the door down with. Right, so you're saying there comes a point in time where, I mean, Nirvana didn't come out of the clear blue. There had to be sort of a, a prepping of the world for them to right. and land. Right, that's, and, that's, and that's my whole thing, you know, is that is the way I look at Nirvana is that there were, you know, if we put this in kind of a military uh, met, met, metaphor or something, is that there are waves of indie bands that come forward that break new ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they crash on the shore and they get obliterated because they can't stay together, poor management, a variety of things. Nirvana was the last one. They pick up the flag that all these other bands have fallen and dropped and they get it across the finish line. Yeah. Um, to where it breaks commercially. Um, and they're a fantastic band, but you know, if they'd have been two or three years earlier, never mind, never would have broke. There'd have been some other band that came two or three years later because the 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 public Wasn't was being ready. prepped for this. You right. know. And they followed the punk that you've been talking about anyway. They crashed and burned. How many albums did they have? Four? Totally. Well, they did Bleach, Nevermind, yeah. and In Utero, and a series of singles and some EPs and That's stuff. So. And then they uh, ended. Then, yeah, a couple live albums. You know, the Unplugged album for MTV, yeah. um, which is loaded with meat puppet songs. How about yeah. that? Pixies on Rock School. Coming into the break just a little bit early because we're 59 minutes of a radio show. We just don't get to play everybody. Three bands that we may get to play, may not get to play, depending on how it all works out. So let's talk about them. Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum, a uh, band from Minneapolis, one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, we were going to play some sometime to return from their Hang Time album, which is a must for anybody's record collection. Runaway Train. Runaway Train. Yeah. This predates that. You know, there again, you know, that breaks 90, 91, 92, that album comes out. But they were a band that existed a long time before that. Started out as a, how, a hardcore band. Um and then they released a series of albums, really strong song, song, songwriting, one of the best live bands that I've ever seen. Could they have been Nirvana, or just because they weren't in Seattle, they could not have been? I mean, they, I mean their albums were definitely radio-ready. Um, the Hangtime album is this really, is what you get when you have kids who grew up in the 70s listening to classic rock or Aerosmith and also punk, punk rock. Hangtime is the perfect mix of that. Um, we're not going to play Uncle Tupelo. Uh, which is a band from Belleville, Illinois, that that came out on indie labels uh, before Nevermind broke. Just a fantastic band. I always thought of them as if, what would happen if Hank Williams fronted a punk rock band? Yeah. Um, Jeff Jeff Tweedy was the bass player for the band and songwriter. Goes on to form Will Wilco, Jay Farrar creates Sun Sunvold and people know those bands. Sure. And then the last one is Bikini Kill, uh, which is a an Olympia Washington band, which is one of the, is probably the Riot Girl band, right? This is the band that kind of starts that. What's Riot Girl? I so hear Riot this Girl is, are, are either 
all girl bands or, or bands that are led by women um, that definitely have kind of a feminist political slant to it. And Kathleen Hanna was the one that wrote on the wall, Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, which gives rise to, to Kurt Cobain writing the song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's all coming together in a pretty pink bow. Okay, we got to take a break. Back in one minute, and you'll hear the songs we do get around to playing. We might play Bikini Kill, depending on how the time comes out. Back in a minute on Rock School. Coming out of the break, Teenage Riot. Teenage Riot by, by Sonic Youth off of their Daydream Nation album. Mm-hmm. Again, this is another album that should be in everybody's record collection. Double record, um, perfect mix of distortion, noise, pop, pop sensibilities. Um, just one of the, the granddaddies of all indie college rock. There's a documentary that you can rent called, I think, The Year That Punk Broke. It's about... The Sonic Youth Tour in Europe, which which is right before Nevermind comes out, and Nirvana's in this documentary, mm-hmm. and and they talk about you just knew that everything that there was something going on, ninety ninety one, the things were ready to explode. When they made the documentary, was it did Nirvana hit and they then put it out afterwards, or was it made right before it happened and just pure dumb luck? It was one of those things that came out just at the right time. Perfect. You know? um, now, they're already playing songs off of Nevermind, but Nevermind hasn't come out yet. Okay. Sonic Youth here on Rock School. out of Sonic Youth and the band you say literally sets the stage for Nirvana this is Black Flag Black Black Flag led led by Henry Rollins this yes. time around so we had played a song with with Keith Morris you know the thing about Black Flag that I always loved about him is that the hardcore scene had a lot of rules and you had to look a certain way music had to sound a certain way at some point Black Flag, the hardcore band, just kind of rejects all that. They grow their hair out. They slow their music down. It's uh, informed, if not influenced by Sabbath. And so by the time you get to, we're going to play Slip It In from the Slip It In EP, they're a hard rock band. And there again, you know, it's this perfect mix of kids who grew up listening to both Aerosmith and early Van Halen and also got into hardcore rock this is what you see happen. It's this perfect melding. And this sets the stage. I mean, if you think that there's something new about grunge, uh, bands that mix punk and hard rock, this was going on before. You just had missed the train when it was coming out of the station. Yeah. So it's Black Flag and setting the stage for Nirvana. It sounds like this on Rock School.
Final break. Final break. Need to bring it home. September 1991. What happens? September 1991 is when Nevermind comes out by Nirvana. And so the stage has already been set for this kind of music to get radio play and have commercial appeal. I mean, the first Lollapalooza has already happened. That was the summer of 91, Mm -hmm. you know, with Jane's Addiction, the Rollins Band, a number of bands. So that sells out and sells well. And so Perry Farrell's Alternative Nation is ready for something. Something. I hate to use the word poster boy. Um, But Nevermind becomes that album. You know, it's like people have, have caught up. And so, if you're in high school, I certainly understand that the first time you heard Teen Teen Spirit, it was like, you know, the world opened up, and this, what is this brand new music? If you were in your mid-20s, and you were blown away by this, you missed it. Yeah. There were bands that were already doing this, and you were a little bit of, like, jumping on at the end, you know? Um, But this is a fan, I mean, Nevermind's a fantastic album, um, recorded at Sound City, uh, produced by Butch Vig, uh, who produced you know albums by the Smashing Pumpkins, a number of other bands. It was the perfect, great songwriting, a fantastic drum, drum sound, um, and a catchy song that would kick the door wide open. I remember when this album came out and I heard it on the radio, I remember thinking, we won. Like All the music that I'd listened to and all the bands that I'd played in through, through college, all the people I'd known, we won. Yeah. Our band was on the radio. If not our our band, at least something that was akin to what we were doing. Great. And over four shows, you finally got us there. We got to Nirvana, yeah. You did. Fantastic band. Now, we're not playing the single version. No, we're going to play the live version because the single version is overproduced, you know? And so the live version is what they sound like. They're, they were a raw punk rock band. Um and just a great band. It's great. A, I mean, it's a shame what happened to, to Kurt, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. That's and a, a happy, lot of research. And a happy birthday yeah. to you, Dr. Burns. Oh, thank Burns. you very much. 50 years <laughs> young. That's all the way around. It'll happen to you, too. This is Smells Like Teen Spirit Live out of California. I'm Joe Burns. Renee Gregoire. And once again, you are? Ralph Wood. That'll do it. It's Nirvana. We took you all the way from Proto, all the way to it. I didn't. He did. Ralph Wood did. Class is dismissed.